The late American author Madeline Langle tells the story of the time that she was putting her granddaughter Lena to bed. The lights were ready to be turned off, the last bedtime story had been read, and Lena sat there in Langle's lap, and she looked up at her grandmother and suddenly asked, Graham, is everything all right? Langle, taken a little off guard, looked down at Lena and mustered her grandmotherly compassion and said to her granddaughter, yes, yes, of course, everything's all right. But then Lena's focus seemed to sharpen even more as she looked up at her grandmother again and said to her, but Graham, is everything really all right? Madeline Langle writes that in that moment, she realized that little Lena wasn't just asking her a question. She was asking her the question. The cosmic question. The question that stirs in every human heart. Is everything really all right? You know, that, I think, is the question that is stirring in the heart of the author of John's Gospel. Right, Matthew, Mark, and Luke commonly known as the synoptic gospels, and that they tell a synopsis. They narrate the details of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not like John. Because John, both in style and substance, seems more concerned with the macro realities than the micro details. John seems to want to get underneath the surface. To examine from all angles the importance of Jesus' life. Where Matthew, Mark, and Luke want to spend time telling us each specific story of what happened along the way for Jesus, John seems much more concerned with unpacking the cosmic implications of Jesus. Nowhere is this clearer than in the style with which John writes these opening verses to his gospel. Notice that they are not written in the style of prose, but rather poetry. Right? John employs imagery in these verses that seek to cut to a deeper truth. Like all great poetry, John is trying to evoke feelings between the lines. He's trying to engage all of our senses. John is trying to stir the soul like all great poetry. John is trying to answer the question. 
right? Just listen again to some of these verses. In the beginning, he starts. Not in the time of King Herod, like Luke starts. Not uh, these are the events that lead up to Jesus' birth, like Matthew starts. Two Gospels that begin the story of Jesus' life by trying to place him in a specific time and place and lineage. No, John begins in the beginning. Now, where else have we heard that? If you have your Bible out, you can turn to literally the first page of all the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For John, the story of redemption began at the moment of creation. Read between the lines, John is saying. The story of Jesus, it's not limited to just one time or place. It is the story of all time and all places. In the beginning was the word, John says. Do you remember how God created creation in Genesis 1? Genesis 1, at the beginning of every day where God creates something new, begins with these words, And God said. God spoke words. God literally spoke creation into being. Cut to that deeper truth, John wants us to say. God has been speaking since the beginning of time. God spoke the law to Moses. God spoke through the prophets, and now, John says, God is speaking another word, a new word, the word. And this word, John goes on to say, is life itself. Do you feel something stirring in your soul? And not only that, but that life is Light. Do you remember the very first thing God created? And God said, let there be light. The word was life. And that life was the light of the whole world. The light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. And then my favorite line. Of all these verses, the word became flesh. Friends, what's more personal than flesh? Read between the lines, John says. God is not far away. God is not some distant deity. God is right here. God knows us. God is literally flesh and blood. That feeling of holding a newborn for the first time, God knows that. That pride you feel welling up in your chest when you get that first A on a test, or you get your first job, or you... you, uh, You get your first apartment or you get your first chip for a year of sobriety. God 
knows that. But God knows too that sinking feeling when we screwed up again. God knows too boredom. God knows what what it feels like to trudge through days and years that don't go as expected, where it's just one thing after another. 2020, anyone? God knows that. That feeling we feel when we wonder if we made the right decision. That humiliation we feel when when we're labeled, when we're ostracized when we're dismissed when when we're the recipient of hate even for for simply being who God created us to be God knows that the fear of death the grief that won't go away no matter how much time has passed God became flesh and blood God knows it all. And yet here we all sit. In the lap of the one we trust most. And like little Lena looking up into the eyes of her grandmother, we all ask the same question. Graham, is everything really all right? And who can blame us? I mean, look around. <laughs> Pandemic, greed, violence, poverty, pollution, bullying, systemic injustice, hatred, on and on and on. Who can blame us for wondering if anything? is all right. And yet according to John, the importance of Jesus' birth is not that those things cease to be, but rather that in the word become flesh. The way we live in the face of those realities has been transformed. Suddenly, we are are free to encounter those things in life that are completely out of our control with an understanding that while God does not will those things upon us, God does go into them with us. And simultaneously, in those places that are in our control, we are suddenly free to change the way we live, to change the lens through which we see the world, to be one that is closer to the life and lens of that babe in the manger. We are suddenly free to live with humility, with compassion, with kindness. We are all free to be that light in the darkness. You know, one of the most powerful worship experiences in my life, one of the most formative events each year, 
truly formative in my own spiritual journey was the Christmas in the cathedral service every December 24th in the sanctuary of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Dayton, Ohio. Many of you have heard me talk about my church that I grew up in, Westminster, and that service specifically. It's a Gothic cathedral, and they do Christmas up big at Westminster. Candles everywhere, packed house. You have to show up an hour early if you want to have any hope of finding a seat. A choir that, that seems to be a hundred strong processes down the center aisle at the beginning of that 10 p.m. worship, singing masters in the hall. It's powerful. Looking back on it, I've now realized that about 90% of that service is spent in either Matthew or Luke's home. A lot of shepherds, a lot of babe in the manger, a lot of angels and stars in the sky, a lot of hark the herald and once in royal David city. Maybe 9% or so is spent with the prophets. Prepare a way for the Lord. And then that last 1%, literally the last thing in this service every year, is a stop by old John's house. I can still see it vividly in my mind. Sandy McConnell, the senior pastor, as I grew up in that church, a friend still, the sanctuary would be dark by that ending moment of the service. The only things lit, the Advent wreath and Christ's candle and a portrait of the Madonna and child illuminated that hung in the chancel and hangs in the chancel every Advent at Westminster. Sandy would appear out of the darkness there in the center of the chancel. And he would take his one candle and he would light it off the Christ candle. And he would begin to say the words of John chapter 1. Walking slowly down the center aisle of the sanctuary, bearing that single light, he would say, in the beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God was with us in the beginning. Through Him all things came into being, and without Him nothing that is came into being. And what came into being in Him was life, and that life was the light of the whole world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. And right as he reached the dead center of that massive, dark cavern, he would do this little twirl at the middle point of the center aisle. 
And he would say, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You know, if I had slept through the whole rest of the service, if I had not in my entire life heard a single other word about the word named Jesus, if I had woken up to only see and hear those words, as Sandy spoke them walking through that packed and yet silent space, those had been the only words I heard and you had been sitting next to me and leaned over and asked Alan what do you think do you really think everything is all right I would have leaned back and whispered the answer that stirs in my soul. Yes. Yes.